vision of if you don't know, now you know. My name is Leah Brown. I'm the Assistant Director for Education here at the Robert Rousseau Moton Museum here in Farmville, Virginia. And today's topic is Black Revolutionaries. July 4th is coming up. So we want to take this time to highlight people on both sides of the equation in the American Revolution. Those who supported the British, called Loyalists, those that supported the Patriots. So within this conversation, to be able to focus on the African-Americans who were involved on both sides of the issue, it's pretty neat. So I'm really excited to start this particular podcast. Okay, 1776, July 4th, the declaration is announced. The 13 colonies have decided they're leaving Britain. They're like, all right, cool, this is great. Except we know that declaration didn't apply to a lot of people actually living on the ground there. So how it worked out, we're going to start focusing on the British or the Tory side. All right, Virginia's governor, Lord Dunmore, had a proclamation in November 1775. How that worked out, basically it was an all call for people who were enslaved to leave their masters to support the British. So with this question of July 4th, independence of freedom, we have got to look at freedom through the lens of those that were enslaved, what freedom would mean. Now, both on both sides, both the patriot and loyalist side, African-Americans flocked to those groups to get freedom. Some actually were given their freedom, some had to petition for it. We're going to cover that a little bit within this podcast, but going back to Lord Dunmore, Okay, declare that all indentured servants, Negroes, or others appertaining to rebels, so those with the patriots only, were free, that were willing to bear arms. So if you were enslaved by a patriot, you were able to run to British sides to fight for the king on his behalf to get your freedom that way. And some people did that. We're gonna cover like maybe two or three people per side, but there's tons of resources, tons of people to learn about, people who are part of the American Revolution that typically aren't talked about. We know those big names and big figures, but the individual soldiers were the ones on the battlefield doing that work. We're gonna start with Colonel, Colonel Todd, and he was Titus Cornelius. Okay, so he was with the British. He was a guerrilla commander. So how he fought, well, let's backtrack a little bit. The rules of war, of engagement during the American Revolution was on both sides, people line up and they shoot at each other and hope somebody falls down. The weaponry was different, but depending on the marksmanship of the person, maybe you will, you know, it's war, kill one of your opponents, maybe you won't. But with Colonel Ty, how he ran his troop, it was guerrilla warfare. They would commit, they would have raids. So they would go to a Patriot's plantation, take food, take resources, taking those things away from the Patriot war effort. So Captain Ty was part of Dunmore's Ethiopian Regiment. The Ethiopian Regiment were the group of African-Americans who fought on behalf of the British because they joined after Lord Dunmore's proclamation. So Colonel Ty, like, he was so good at what he did, like he was kind of infamous for his raid. Eventually, um, in September 1780, he actually received a wound at a raid and died from it. So he actually died from lockjaw. You think about the 1780s and the medicine that was available. So an interesting story, just one snapshot, one version of what the revolution looked like. Now, along with that, a group called the Black Brigade, African-American black troops fighting on behalf of the British were active as well. There was part of, and in this particular case, the Black Brigade joined up with the Queen's Rangers to do more raids. So you see how a mix of like battlefield warfare and guerrilla warfare. 
So how it worked out with when with some of the African Americans on the side of the British, I always go right back to Yorktown, no surprise there for you guys. Some of the African Americans who were with the British got sick, they got left behind. So whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen to them. The British did not wait for them to get better, they didn't wait for them. They were trying to get out of town themselves. Some that were with the British managed to escape. They went back to New York and then from there, some were, their names are written in what's called the Book of Negroes, which is like, that's a weird name, but literally it's a book of people who were of black descent, who were with the British. Now, it's one of my like, oh, that's neat, history focuses. So in doing research on the Book of Negroes itself, you see the space where some people who were enslaved are now free, they were with the British, and they left. They went to Nova Scotia, some went to Europe itself, some went to other British strongholds like the West Indies to start their lives there. Now those that went to like Nova Scotia, some stayed, but then they had to deal with competition for jobs and spaces and homes. Starting from scratch, a life in a new place altogether. Eventually, some folks left Nova Scotia and they ended up in Sierra Leone to try to start life all over again. So you have this space of like, you're free, but what comes next? Okay, so that's part of the story from the British perspective. Now, if you focus in on the American story of the American Revolution, we gotta start with Christmas Addicts. The first casualty of the American Revolution, Boston Massacre, March 1770. So Christmas addicts, African-American descent, um, and in American descent, who's a sailor, right? Whaling was a thing to actually like get whales because whales have oil for lamps, very lucrative. Um, also, he was a rope maker, so he knew the waterways. He knew how to, like, super skilled to be able to do that. But he was a free black man serving the Patriot cause. And the first person to die on behalf of the revolution was somebody of black and native ancestry. And when it comes to the story of the American Revolution, typically black stories and native stories are brushed to the side. So it's important to know who Chris Lake's addict was and his background and where he came from. Okay, so we have it started. It's going on. So how it worked out, depending on whether somebody was free or not, they could serve. For example, the Rhode Island Regiment, they were African-Americans who served on the side of the Patriots. Kind of nifty how you could tell who they were by their uniforms. They had really, really, really bright blue plumage or feathers in their hats. Important because when you think about how large the country is, how different the colonies were, to be able to unify and fight on the same side, similar ideas, similar goals of American independence, getting rid of the British. People like Peter Salem, who was part of Bunker Hill, he actually has like a confirmed kill of one of the British majors, Major John Picard, maybe? And that was in June 1775. Salem Poor, who was an African-American soldier, was with GW or George Washington at Valley Forge. Guys, have you ever heard of Salem Poor? Have you ever heard of the people who were part of this American story? Because I think revolution, I think Valley Forge. That's one of the top three things that covers my mind. But to have him there reinforces that people who were revolutionaries didn't always look the way people expected them to look. The narrative has been limited and stilted. So we miss out on so much of American history. So this podcast is kind of a way to highlight those who were involved and invested don't typically look like the stereotypical version of patriots or loyalists that we know. Okay, we're going to end 
the American story with James Armistead Lafayette. Surprise, surprise, he was at Yorktown. So with that, James Armistead was enslaved by someone in UK County, Virginia. To even be able to serve, he had to ask permission from his owner. So the person who was in charge of his entire life had to say, yeah, okay, you can go and fight for this idea of America, this idea of freedom. So how it worked out, James Armistead ended up being a double agent. All right, so let me calm down so I can get the story out. He was working with the Marquis de Lafayette, you know, factor in the French. The Marquis was friends with um, Washington, he knew Hamilton, and, you know, to have someone be able to go between both sides, because James Armistead was with Lafayette, reconnaissance from the British side was able to come over. How it worked out was, James Armistead went to, I believe it was Cornwallis himself, and was like, hey, I want to offer my help. <clears throat> He's citing Dunmore's proclamation. So with Dunmore's proclamation, if you were enslaved and you wanted your freedom, you go that way. <clears throat> because obviously, James Armistead was enslaved by somebody who said they were a patriot. So that fits perfectly into the storyline for the purpose of joining the Ethiopian regiment. Okay, so because James Armistead is able to go through both lines, he offers to Cornwallis that he would spy on the Americans. So at this point, James Armistead is working for the Americans, well, to be Americans, for the Patriots, but lying to the Loyalists, to the British, to say he's going to go back to spy on the Patriots. So it's really convoluted, but long story short, he was a secret agent. To the point where, when everything was said and done and the Battle of Yorktown was over, when Cornwallis saw James Armistead, he was like, wait, what are you doing here? Because he was with the Patriots on at that point. So it's like, oh, okay, okay. So we see just the ability to travel between military lines, the ability to pay attention, to take notes, to be kind of unnoticed allowed James Armistead to be that spy, to be able to take those reconnaissance missions, to take that information, to travel back and forth, to help the American war effort. Like, this is insane. This is awesome. Okay, so the war's over. Hurrah, huzzah, huzzah. The Americans have won. What comes next? How it worked out for James Armistead was he was still enslaved. He'd risk his life. He had asked permission to go serve the Patriot cause. He did it. He did it perfectly well. Helped win the Battle of Yorktown, but he was still enslaved. So, kind of like, well, shoot, you've done all this work, you fought for freedom, but you don't get to enjoy it. So, how slavery and the revolution works out, people were struggling with, like, should we even still have slavery? Should we get rid of it? Should we free? Who should we free? How should we do it? Like, the legalese of freedom, basically. It got to the point where somebody had to petition for their freedom. Like, legally, had to go to the um, courthouse, like, hey, I want to be free. It's like a process. But eventually, with like manumissions a little later, somebody could actually free those they had been enslaved. But in James Armistead's case, he petitioned, he asked, told no. Petitioned again, asked, told no. And then Lafayette, who was in France, came back to the U.S. for a tour. James Armistead met with Lafayette, one of his war, war buddies, like veterans. The Marquis de Lafayette wrote a letter on behalf of James Armistead. In that letter, he asked that Armistead get his freedom. And of course, then, that's when James Armistead became James. And he dropped Armistead, because Armistead was the name of his enslaver. And he chose a new name, Lafayette, to honor Lafayette and 
and their friendship in Lafayette, Oklahoma Springs. So now the story of the American Revolution, I mean, let's, if we started in 1775 and it, the war itself ends in 1783, how much it covers the number of people who were involved and invested, and how people were impacted, it is exhausting. But in cases like this, where you can pick a, a particular niche or a group to focus on, you can learn a lot about a story you may think you know. And with this particular podcast, one about Black revolutionaries, if you don't know, now you know. Some potential resources we have, PBS did an entire write-up on Colonel Ty. Now, the Virtual Museum of Canada has a, a website on Black loyalists, because it's like, yay! You're a loyalist, you were the British, you're now in Nova Scotia. What does that mean? What does their life look like? How that changes their experience, a new place, new space. Um, so be able to focus on that story as well. Jamestown, Yorktown, super cool. They have an exhibit. I think it's gonna it's gonna be there until July 8th, so get there pretty soon. It's on the forgotten soldiers, so African Americans, people of color who fought for for and in the revolution. And I believe, let me check real quick, that the Book of Negroes is there, which there's two books. Let me put that for you real quick. And with that, it's kind of like, as a historian, being able to engage with that text, it's like, it was a surreal moment, to be sure. Because, you know, it's it's one thing to see the, to see, like, going through, like, oh, I know this story, I know this, I know that, but to be able to see the actual document, to see the actual text, it's amazing. Also, factor it, I'm a really, 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 really big nerd. Okay, so there's the American Inspection Roll of Negroes, number one, and the British Book of Negroes. So there's two books cataloging those that were enslaved that are now. Some were free, some weren't. That was the big surprise for me and some of the research I've done on the Book of Negroes. Some people were forced to leave with those that were enslaved, that were enslaving them. So history is never simple, it's always complex. So that's just more room for research. Oh, and last thing, because there's tons of resources, is the American Battlefield Trust has just a website on African Americans that served during the revolution on both sides. It's kind of give a holistic history, both sides, both perspectives of the revolution. All right, guys, thank you for listening in. I hope you gained some new knowledge and some new insight. If you have any questions, please send them in to info at smoothmuseum.org. All right, guys, have a good one. Thanks for listening.